0: Hey everyone and welcome to the Uncorked Corner podcast where we cover the full spread of food and beverage industry topics. My name is Bianca, PR and marketing professional by day and food and wine connoisseur by night.
1: And my name is Nick, an accountant with a passion for barbecue, beer, and whiskey. Today we welcome Ryan Lavery, founder, owner, and director of brewing operations at Widowmaker Brewing in Brantree, Massachusetts.
0: In this episode, Ryan explains the vision behind Widowmaker, tells us about his personal journey in the music industry, and explains their partnerships with other brewers and how supporting one another is so impactful.
1: If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to us. With that said, let's welcome Ryan to the show.
0: Everyone and welcome to the podcast. Today we have Ryan Lavery from Widowmaker Brewing. Let's start by having you introduce yourself and giving us a bit of information on your background and introduction to the beer space.
2: Sure. Yeah, I'm Ryan. I'm one of the uh three owners of Widowmaker Brewing. Uh we're based in Braintree, Massachusetts. We opened in 2017. Um so Widowmaker started in my basement in uh, I don't know, around like 2014 or so is when I kind of put a name on it. And uh, for a few years, we looked for a space. And when we did, so I was uh, one of the brewers. actually had a brewer that was working along with me for the first few months when we opened. And since then, I was the head brewer here at Widowmaker. Right now, uh, we're uh, – I'm no longer the head brewer. I'm, I guess I don't even know if I have a real title anymore, but uh, I think on my business cards, it says uh, founder or brewery operations manager or something, but uh, I oversee all the brewing here at Widowmaker, I guess is the easiest way to describe it.
1: Awesome. So um, how did you and the, uh, the other co-founders there hook up and decide to start the brewery together?
2: <clears throat> yeah, so uh, Colin, one of my... My partners and uh, founder with me, um, him and I had been homebrewing for years together. Him and I started doing different like tastings and block parties around the South Shore. Um, And really it's just for fun to start. And Widowmaker was just kind of the name we put on it. So it had a name. Um... And as we progressed and got a little more intense with our home brewing, we, we decided let's try to figure out a way to do this. We tried to open a brewery in Quincy. We were looking around for a spot, looking for um, funding, and that's when we met our third partner. And um, he didn't come from the brewing industry, but he came from the production industry. Um, and it's been a really good relationship the three of us have to get together. Uh, we're all here every day, all day together, so we better get along. Um, but yeah, so we, we looked around for spots in Quincy, like I said, for a handful of maybe like six or seven months before finding the spot in, Qu- in uh, Braintree.
1: And um, with the name and the logo, what's the story behind those?
2: Yeah, so Widowmaker was just... So I, I played music, uh, traveled playing music uh, most of my 20s, touring and stuff like that. And uh, it was always on my list of whether it could be a song, an album... A band name at some point it just it but it felt right for the brewery it was a lot of, I spent a lot of time in my basement you know home brewing kind of honing our original recipes um, and Widowmaker the time I spent away from my wife then I had some kids my uh, partners have wives and children as well so really just uh, fit the feel of what we we're doing I, I really like kind of like doomy metal music and uh so it's kind of a a little bit of a a dark image you know the the it's you know a woman kind of the logo is a woman kind of looking whether tired or alone I don't know what you want to call it but uh that was kind of the image we wanted to have so you know at the time I you know our wives are in their early 30s so we didn't want like some old haggard widow type woman we wanted a young looking woman and uh my friend Sarah created it and it I don't know it's to me I I love the I love the logo, the logo it's 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 easy to remember it's you know when you see it you know it's us and I think that's important with the logo
1: yeah and I think it's really unique and kind of kind path compared to a lot of the other brewery logos and everything that I've seen that are pretty simple and basic and you know incorporate hops and stuff but this one really kind of stands alone when you were in bands do you have a specific instrument you played
2: yeah I was a drummer drummer yeah nice
1: um And what was the very first beer you guys started with in production
2: uh the very first beer we did was called Greenbush. It was a pale ale um but when we, when when we opened like we still had beers or we had beers that we still have like that were are in pretty heavy rotation, like ecstasy of gold uh our donut shop coffee stout uh Green Bush, like i mentioned um and then so Those were some of the core beers that we opened with that were beers that I had been brewing for a long time in my basement that transitioned. Uh, Ecstasy of Gold is definitely the beer that we continued making more of since the opening uh, since the early days when we opened of uh, that's been pretty consistent in our rotation.
0: Awesome. And you guys have certainly grown a lot since your beginnings not too long ago. Uh, We hear that you've gone from just 35 barrels of fermentation space to almost 300 by the end of 2020. So can you tell us more about um, if you have any new styles of beer that you're planning on making in that space, or is that just to increase your overall volume?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I guess the answer would be both. Um, For sure, like beers like Blue Comet, um, Ecstasy of Gold, which I already mentioned uh some of the you know the hoppier beers that definitely uh move faster than other styles uh those will be the ones in our, so right now we currently have five thirty barrel fermenters and and seven 15s, but i got four more tanks on their way 30 barrel tanks so that, that we've definitely increased a lot and more than i could ever imagine um when we decided to open um but hopefully with, with um, the addition of the few more tanks, the few tanks that we have coming that'll definitely uh, allow us to do more beers, farmhouse style, Pilsner. We still, you know, we do a lot of Pilsners, but even increase that a little bit more um, by having those 30s that we can fill with the core brands and really keep those uh, 15 barrels with kind of exploring new um, styles and, and just, or going deeper into styles we already brew in.
1: And when it comes to consuming on site, so I know right now, everything's kind of messed up. It's not a whole lot of indoor stuff going on. But I think you guys have a couple outdoor locations that people can get stuff at. Want to tell us a bit about those?
2: Yeah, so uh, just last weekend, we opened uh, a patio here at our brewery um, at 220 Wood Road in Braintree. Uh, An outdoor space. About 60 to 70 people can be there. Right now we're not open inside. We're still doing uh, some revamping inside. Um, So we haven't opened indoors yet. But we uh, hopefully by our anniversary, which is in mid-September, we'll have the indoors open, which will include um, three new garage doors, which allows us to kind of have – we were planning on doing – pre-COVID, but I think now it, 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 it's good that we're having it. So we've kind of held off opening inside till we have um, the ability to open up some more, I guess, fresh air and, you know, make people feel safer in here and more have the seating closer to the outdoor big, you know, like it's going to be three garage doors we're putting in our tap room that we didn't have previously. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that'll be, like I said, hopefully that'll be open in mid-September along with our patio here at the beer garden. Those are open Saturday and Sunday. And then we have our beer garden down at, uh, on the uh, waterfront in Quincy. And that's uh, Wednesday through Saturday, as long as we can do it. It gets pretty cold down there starting in like mid-October. So that'll, it'll hopefully last till about mid-October. And we uh, have guest taps all the time down there. This weekend, we have our, our buddies from Channel Marker up in Beverly. Uh, we've had Vitamin C, Second Wind, Untold. Next week, we'll, next week, we'll have Trillium down there. So a lot of great beer that's being made in, in the uh, South Shore and South Coast of Massachusetts. And uh, we always bring in friends from different areas of the country too. So.
0: Being a former, or you might still currently play, being uh, involved in like the music industry, do you do a lot when you are open with music or are any of your beers inspired by that background?
2: Uh, yeah, we don't do any live music at the brewery. Um, one, we're not permitted, permitted to, it, to do it. And uh, two, it's just such a big space where live music, we, I've actually played music in here with, with friends and different bands I'm in. Um, it's super loud and it's not really uh conducive to um, tap taproom vibes um yeah i mean we're, i mean music's a huge thing for us so like you know we've done collaboration beers with um we did we did a beer with earth last year which uh is if 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 you have any uh knowledge of old drone stoner i guess they're not stoner rock but like old drone rock like uh they've been around forever and it was one of my favorite bands growing up and to do a beer with them that was awesome. Um, We just did a beer inspired by Sleep which is a doom metal band. Uh, We have a a beer we're going to be doing with a band called Elder later in the year so we, we definitely try to stay true to like what we what we enjoy and you know, we, we like loud, heavy music, so we always try to go towards that. So we definitely try to have that vibe when the taproom's open. Is There's plenty of places you can hear, you know, pop music and whatever's popular, but here we like to play loud music and it seems to work even with, like, the, uh, the crowd here in Braintree might not be up for listening to sleep all day, but uh, it doesn't really seem to – turn people off too much so
1: that's yeah, cool and it gives you your own kind of we, we, vibe.
2: yeah we we we're here to be ourselves and nothing but ourselves so if you enjoy it that's awesome if you don't i guess there's plenty other places you can go When it comes to
1: beer, for your own personal preference, what's your go-to style? Now, obviously, it's hard to decide when you make them all, and I'm sure you make a lot of great ones, but if you had to choose one style that you had to drink every day for the rest of your life, what would it be?
2: Yeah, so I I always try to keep at least two Pilsners going in the tanks. I think there's a lot to be said about um, a, a brewer and technique. And there, there, there's not a lot of masking and you can't really hide a lot of mistakes when brewing Pilsners. And um, so whether it be, you know, the merit of a brewer or just what I like drinking, you know, I like drinking crisper, softer beer or lower ABV beers, but totally understand that big high ABV, IPAs, stouts, keep the lights on for us for sure. And I love those styles of beer. And, you know, I I love making them as well. Um, but I guess if I, you know, I went away on vacation last week and I brought a, a, a case of our Pilsner that I stored from a packaging run two months ago because I, I knew I was going away and that's what I wanted to have. And that's what I drank all week. So I got our Widow Lager, our Kamiosa, which is a nice uh, Japanese rice lager that we make with sake yeast that I, those are really cool beers for me. Like those are what I want to make. Um, you know, they might not be the highest rated beers on beer advocate and on tap, but, um, like I said, we can only be ourselves and, and, you know, I, I feel like a full portfolio is really important and, like I said, like there's there's not a lot of hiding behind the stakes there, so your beers better be pretty spot on when you're making those styles. And yeah. I tend to
1: gravitate towards those styles as well. I like the, you know, the easier drinking, like real multi, real tasty, not crazy hopping beers. So yeah, that's definitely. I, mean, I I I
2: love hoppy beer. I love I love hops. Like I mean, I all I do all day is, you know, make beer. We do sensory tastings here daily, and um, so hot profiles and, and, and understanding that, you know, what the, we also have to understand what the market calls for. And we know that IPAs are our are, uh, are bread and butter. And, and so we better make really great ones because there's a lot of great breweries around here making great IPAs. And so, um, you know, just like anything, it's it, varieties the spice of life. But I, I love that Widowmaker is willing to have Different, ta- different beers that we, we just know we're willing to make. And, you know, let's sit in tanks a little bit longer, even though that means maybe we, we turn tanks around less fast. Um, you know, those beers take time. And for me, it, it's worth it, whether it be a selfish reason or just uh, to, to grow our portfolio.
0: And speaking of the heavier beers, I noticed that you had your first triple IPA with Untold Brewing. Um, if true... Can design's yeah. awesome, and it's definitely recognizable, I think, for anybody in the Boston area, uh, like me and Nick are, are both originally from here. Can you tell us more about what differentiates, like, a triple IPA from, you know, a double IPA or an IPA, for those of our listeners who wouldn't know?
2: Yeah, so so we, we actually brew a lot of triple IPAs. Uh, untold hadn't brewed a triple IPA. So they – and a lot of the times when we get asked to do collab beers, um, you know, I – I in, Pre COVID in February or early or late January, I was down in North Carolina and brewing some beer with our friends at Divine Barrel. And they really liked uh, our 100 year storm triple IPA. And we're like, well, we just, if you're going to come down, let's do it big. And then, you know, when I w- went untold, like, let's do it big. They, so, um, yeah, we like, if we're going to play big, we like to go as we like to really um, push our equipment. Push malt and in, in our grist bills and our, our hot profiles as much as we can. Um, I guess in, in theory, there's no such thing as a, a triple IPA, all Imperial, if it's an Imperial IPA, you know, um, but we kind of gauge that at like, if, if we're doing an IPA above 10%, we're, we're labeling it as a triple IPA. Um, I think that's fair for consumers to, you know, to, to, to understand if it's that high, you, you know, you're, you're giving it a different class than just your standard double ipas um but really it gives you no boundaries and you know we brew tons of ipas and to, to go big and and play with fit, flavor profiles even more uh has been something we, we've really enjoyed here so we, we have a couple of them and uh, they've done really well for us and, and we love making them
1: and so what's the differentiator when brewing between making a standard ipa and uh double or triple ipa for example and you're going to have that higher abv so how do you actually go about in the brewing process making that happen
2: yeah so the if if you're familiar with some of the beers we've done so we have a triple ecstasy which is a triple version of our ecstasy of gold we have a twin comet which is a a double version but it's 8.8 so it's it's pretty high um on our blue comet so two of our core beers um to me, those are kind of like gateway beers for triple IPAs. Like, okay, you know these beers that we put out a lot in in ecstasy and blue. Um, now here's us amping it up. So you know, um, you know, going to eleven to quote Spinal tap. Like, you know, we're going as much as we can. We're we're, we're really hitting the capacity of our brew house. Um, you know, the, the dosing rates on, on our IPAs, we're kind of getting to that point where, like, it's almost, you know, we're, we're borderline too much hops and, on those beers. But we, we do them so uh, randomly and infrequently that, like, it, it's, it's supposed to be special when we do it. So we try not to overdo it. Um, but as far as designing the beers, it's, you know... Pushing our, pushing our equipment and pushing kind of like our, our, I guess, our imaginations to, to the limit. And, um, you know, what's the biggest beer we can do and still be true to the style and, and make sure it ferments out and it's balanced? Um, you know, we're not doing it just to do it. We want to make the best beer we can at that size as we do the, you know, the same approach as we do any ABV on the lower side.
0: Sweet. And uh, I love, obviously, your cans. I came in and, and got to see you um, put them all together. But the one that I saw on your social was the ice cream stove, which I thought was pretty, uh, pretty cool. Called the Bra- Braintree Split. Yeah. How did this is is this a collaboration? Is is that right? And uh, how'd that come about?
2: Yeah. So I um, well, this is like one of the few beers where the name came before the beer. Um, Braintree Split is. Uh, anybody from the South shore knows when they're listening to their traffic report on the, on the ones on like WBZ, they know the Braintree splits, one of those locations where the, where the news is always saying, well, it's be- getting backed up here. So it's a pretty, uh, iconic or easy reference for people in our area, uh, the Braintree split. And when I thought of it, it was just instantaneously, like, let's do something with an ice cream shop in brain tree. Um, you know, it ha- I loved, I thought it came out great to me. It's like the idea of the beer was like, what does a melted um, banana split sundae taste like? So we literally, you know, we, we, we just let a couple, we got sundays from a few different places, let them melt and kind of did sensory tests on those and then put the beer together. Um, you know, I think beers like that are strange for people because there's so much flavor in there. There's different aspects of it that like people love different but they also i find they don't really love confusing and this to me this beer can definitely be confusing there's the the sweetness of the uh the cherry uh almost like the acidic taste of a banana you know the way a banana can make you have like that like kind of like a ac- acidic feel in in your in your chest uh it's all there for me uh, i think we nailed it um yeah, I'm just really happy with it. But like, yeah, that branding's fun. And we, we did it with a local ice cream place, a uh, lo, local ice cream shop in Braintree. And we always like to have fun and support other people who, who support us.
1: And speaking of those on the dessert bears, one that we have here, I have the blue comet right now. That's what I'm sipping on. Um, but one that I saw is the, there's no wrong way, the peanut butter stout. Yeah. Um, that one's interesting. Uh, you want to tell us about that one and where you kind of got the inspiration behind using that sort of the reese style?
2: Yeah. um, Well, I actually just got a cease and desist. So I don't know. (laughs) So that beer is Yeah, no, nobody does. We actually got it the other day. Uh, So that beer has been around for us. It's a core beer for us. It's a really important beer for us. Uh, It's done really well for us. Um, So we're working through rebranding it and figuring out a way to do it. But uh, yeah, there's no wrong way is uh, a thing of the past for us. But um, as far as the beer goes, it's 7%. It's not super heavy. It's uh, to me, it's like the perfect balance. Again, like I I keep saying balance, like that's a huge thing for us, whether no matter what the ABV is, we, we, we want, you know, a beer aficionado, somebody who really loves beer and is into different flavors to enjoy it. But we also want somebody who might just be interested because of the marketing or the, you know, the label and the idea of the beer to also enjoy it. So uh, there's no wrong way is, you know, the nose is just instant. To me, it's instantaneous um, Reese's uh, Reese, Reese cup vibe. And, uh, you know, the uh, if you ever had it, like it, it just screams out of the cup at you, peanut butter. Um, but the taste, you know, it's got a nice, solid malt backbone uh, cacao nibs that really tie it together and give it that chocolate big flavor. Um, it's just it's a beer we've done for a few years it won a uh, silver medal last year at the u.s open for um, chocolate beers so it's a beer we're really proud of
1: awesome yeah i know i tend to like uh peanut butter stouts one of the ones that we have locally up here. i don't know if you're familiar with mass landing at all they do the gunner's daughter um yeah, that's delicious they're right down the street from me um so i am definitely familiar with the style and so I'm sure you'll rebrand that and get it going. I bet it's going to be a delicious yeah, beer. Yeah, we it we, we try it.
2: we've actually had a backup brand idea for it because we, we were kind of we've had that beer for like two and a half years and we've been waiting for the cease and desist and it, <laughs> it, it finally came on Monday.
1: Well, there you go. But hey, it happens, right? So on to one of the other beers. So the one that I'm drinking now is the Blue Comet it's New England sure. IPA. It's a really mellow drinking one. Really, um, one thing, the first thing that hit me was when it was foaming up at the top. It's really citrusy at first, and then it's just a really smooth drinking IPA after that. So what's sort of the inspiration behind this one, and I guess what went into making it?
2: Yeah, so I, the, the, uh, Blue Comet to me is like the quintessential New England IPA. Like it's got those big, juicy citra front, uh, notes up front. Uh, it's soft, it's pillowy. Um, it's right in that wheelhouse of, you know, 7, 7.1%. Uh, it's our core, it's our core IPA. You know, I think we've kind of fought having a core IPA for the first three years of existence, but like, we can't make enough beer of that, um, make enough of that beer right now. We have at all times, we have three thirty barrel tanks of it going at a time. It's, uh, it, it, it is widow maker. Like it's, it's, it's our most important beer. Um, and I think a lot of people—it's the first woodo maker beer they have. So, I think it's a great introduction for what we do on the IPA side, on the hop side. Um, you know, it's—it's it's a great play of Comet and Simcoe hops. Is a—you know—there's a bit of dankness that hits you in the—in the back on the on the back end. I think is really complemented by that—that—that that, that those citrusy notes on the nose and and in the flavor.
0: And I have this spiked punch, which, or spike the punch, which yeah. I can obviously see the uh, design idea behind.
2: But... That's, that's who I thought the <laughs> cease and desist was from.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, it's very recognizable, but it's it's really good. It's a very, like, nice, refreshing. Um, I love anything sour kind of tart flavor, yeah. so this is definitely probably going to be a favorite of mine. I just, anything with, like, that kind of, like, puckery flavors. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a beer. We've, we've, I think you got the the second, that's the second version. We've done, we've done it twice. Uh, It's, you know, it's fun beer. It's, you know, um, again, it goes back to Chris and I, the, the other brewer here at Widowmaker just playing with flavor profiles and um, you know, it, it was a fun beer to, 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 to put together and, and, People have really enjoyed it, so we've, we've been happy with it so far. And uh, the last
1: beer that you lent us over here is the Hop Smoker, so oh, yeah. let's talk about that one a bit. That one definitely seems like a different style.
2: Yeah, so it's a double IPA that we use with terpenes. Um, so, and we 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 branded it as a, a stoner-inspired imperial India Pale Ale. And uh, again, like I I mentioned earlier about music, so that's, we're paying homage to uh, Dope Smoker, which is a a stoner rock classic by the band Sleep. And uh, really, we wanted to, you know, we're we're not making any bones about it. When we, when we, we've released it once, we released rolling papers with it. Um, You know, we're, we're not, we're not, it was, you know, being stoned and, thinking about how cool that album is and putting together a beer and using the charpines to really make that dankness come through um, but also hitting in the notes of our of what we love about our new england ipas the softness the pillowiness of it uh, you know we we love a touch of bitterness in it and i i i think it i think it's one of our best examples of a new england ipa but it also is a different play you know there's so many new england ipas being made and we're always trying to figure out okay we know what people want and how do we do a different version of it and this was one of the ones we came up with and we're super psyched on it
1: and i love that you guys keep it unique and you're really creative behind the beers and you're always doing something different instead of kind of just putting out the same stuff um so where yeah, we, be- we always
2: we always try to like whether you know whether people care or not we we, we try to give it a narrative and and a, a reason for doing it it's not you know and we have tanks to fill, so we always have to keep beer in the tanks. But, like, if we're going to put out a new beer, like, let's give it a purpose and uh, a focus and, and, you know, we we just always try to have some sort of end goal and, and, and some element of that style that we're trying to represent with that, that beer. It's not just a different label.
1: And I uh, know you got your – tap room there in Braintree. outside of that where can people in the area find your beers
2: yeah so uh we're, we're distributed locally by our, we're self-distributed on the south shore by ourselves but we're distributed uh statewide through massachusetts by night shift distributing so if there's a place where you can get night shift cans or like you mentioned mass landing they're distributed by night shift distributing as well so if there's a place in massachusetts where you're picking up night shift or mass landing there's a pretty good chance you can find Widowmaker there as well. Um, what you're going to probably see more often is the blue comet, uh, ecstasy of gold and occasionally, you know, some random one-offs or, uh, that we'll send them just to pepper in throughout the state. Like they, uh, but to a lesser extent, obviously than, than the core beers. Um, if you're in New York city or, or in New York city, you know, we, we send beer down there once a month. Um, just a good way to promote our beer, build our brand. Um, but you know, if you're in different States, keep an eye out. Sometimes we just do like, you know, today I just sent a pallet of beer down to, to Miami because <laughs> why not? Yeah.
1: Ever uh, get anything up here to Maine where I am at?
2: Yeah, we're actually, uh, so we have a relationship with Vacation Land, which is a distributor out mm-hmm. there. Um, and from time to time you might see a uh, small little case drops i know i think uh, in 2 weeks we have some uh, blue comet heading up your way nice i'll have to keep an eye out awesome yeah.
0: and where can everybody find you on social media so they can follow you
2: at Widowmaker brew on everything cool well thank Sweet. you we
1: appreciate you taking the time to talk to us tonight we're looking forward to try some more of these of beers and uh <laughs> cheers have a good one hey,
2: thanks guys cheers Take care.
1: cheers
0: to follow us on social at uncorked corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content
1: and if you enjoy the show don't forget to leave a comment subscribe rate and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer thanks for listening